So there's a new show uh, on ABC called The Prank Panel. And it's Johnny Knoxville, Gabrielle Sidibe, and Eric Andre. I've, I think I've either seen parts of it or seen like a trailer for it or something. The trailers have been everywhere. So you've okay. probably probably seen the trailer. I watched the first two episodes and it's hysterical. Um, it's kind of like a prank show meets Shark Tank. Like they have to go out. These people have to go out and they have to pitch who they're pranking and how they want to prank them. Like these, like Knoxville and all them don't say like, okay, this is how we should prank them. Like the people actually have to have ideas on how to prank. Like they have to, and then they have to, So they to come up to, to Knoxville and they say, this is what we want to do as a prank. And then they say, yeah, sure. I'll back you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like <laughs> we'll help. Okay. Idea. Okay. We'll help you with this. Like if they yeah. like the idea, that's when they'll be like, okay, yeah, we'll help you with this. They should do that with TV shows too. That's not a bad idea. Oh yeah, like a pitch. Yeah, like a pitch meeting. And then you like have to create a pilot episode or something. They uh, but one of the pranks that they did, oh my, it was so. This woman comes on and she pitches that she wants to prank her eighteen-year-old adopted son. Oh no! Uh, because he he's eighteen and he shouldn't be afraid of clowns anymore. Like he should man up because he's being a bitch. And Knoxville That's a legitimate just- fear. Uh, yeah, so Knoxville decides that she is the perfect person to do the reverse prank to. So she <laughs> yeah. is now going to become the person being pranked. By the 18-year-old son? By the son, yeah. So they get in touch with the son and they reveal The adoption to him. is going to be c- come back into this, right? No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. The adoption has nothing to do with it. Turns so, out I did a DNA test. I'm yours, bitch. So the, the woman's idea when she comes on to pitch is that she wants to do the do a clown scare for her son like she wants him to be in a hotel room and like have a clown jump out or be in an elevator and a clown jump out whatever so knoxville and the producers go find him and they show him the video of her of his mother pitching the idea and they're like do you want to get back at her and he's like oh yeah like let's do this so they set up this whole thing where they think she's she's the one that thinks they're pranking him so and the whole idea for her is that he's going to be in a hotel room and then she's going to go do something. And then while she's away, this clown is going to come out and they're going to scare him. And as he leaves the hotel room, all these other clowns are going to pop out of all the rooms until he gets downstairs. And then she's the one dressed in clown makeup to do the final scare. So that's what she thinks the prank is. This is the meanest thing ever. This is like if somebody were to throw me into a vat of snakes and told me to get out. Yeah. <laughs> So instead of doing all that, they bring him to the hotel the day before and they record a bunch of footage um, that they can replay to the mom while she's in the control room watching it. So he thinks oh, it's all live, but it was all recorded the day before. Tell and me he's going to pretend to die. It's the son in the hotel room who, while he's there, ends up calling a hooker. <laughs> The hooker. Meanwhile, there's a guy dressed as a clown under the bed because he's the one that's supposed to come out and scare him. So the hooker comes in. She's freaking out because the, her son called a hooker. Right. And then as the hooker goes into the bathroom to get like freshen up, 
they they're like, okay, like we gotta we gotta start this now because if she comes out naked, we can't use any of this footage and everything else. So the clown comes out from under the bed. The dude is not scared at all. Instead, knocks the clown down. <laughs> And as the clown gets back up to start fighting back, he pushes the clown again and he goes out the window and it's a fourth floor hotel room. The control room just happened. The control trailer just happens to be parked on the street under where their hotel room is. <laughs> so the whole time the mom is watching this, the guy that was dressed as the clown who was under the bed when they recorded it is standing on top of the trailer. <laughs> so when he gets the signal that the video part played where he went out the window, he's a stunt guy. He just slams himself down on the roof oh, no. of the trailers. <laughs> That's like she's meant to believe her son just murdered a clown. <laughs> with a hooker was, in the bathroom. With a hooker in the bathroom. I was I was dying. And even Knoxville has said in interviews since that episode aired, he thinks that throughout all the jackass stuff he's done, like he's like, that might be one of the best pranks we have ever pulled. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? Especially since like as somebody with like a real phobia like that, like to be able to do a reverse prank in yeah. that kind of a situation, that makes me very happy. So <laughs> So they bring the mom in, like Johnny and the mom are like rushing up to the ho to the hotel room to after see after the murder. After the murder, right. which the mom, by the way, is dressed like a clown. <laughs> full makeup, full makeup at all, because <laughs> she was supposed to be the final part of the prank. <laughs> so she's rushing into the hotel dressed like a clown. The only thing I didn't buy is that by the time they get up to the hotel room, the whole thing is set up like a crime scene. Like there's crime scene tape. There's a detective. I'm like, this literally just happened like five minutes ago. Right, right, right. It, like, but the mom is probably so stressed that like this just isn't processing with her. Right. So they have the son like on the bed in handcuffs while detective is. And her only concern is the hooker. <laughs> She's like, oh, how are you planning on paying for this? Like, like she better be swiping her card in her at like this mother is like freaking out about the hooker more than anything else. Until the other detective in the room says that because this whole prank was set up by her, she's now an accomplice to the murder. Oh, I love that. <laughs> And at oh, one point, that. and at one point, Johnny Knoxville's and he's playing along with everything because he's fucking Knoxville. At one point, like I even showed the prank to my mom, and this is the point where she was hysterical. Johnny's sitting there, he's like, you know what? He's like, You're absolutely right. He's like, like we worked together on this. We we planned this. You know, if it wasn't for all of this that we planned, this this clown wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't have gone through the window. So if you're going to arrest anybody arrest her <laughs> i was dying because i thought like the whole speech was set up that he was going to say if you're going to arrest anybody arrest me yeah, and he's yeah. like if you're going to arrest anybody arrest her like and <laughs> i, I that moment i was hysterical i'm like jesus like this is fucking brilliant that <clears throat> You can't top that. Like you can't do a reverse prank ever again. <coughs> I'm sure he will. It would be hard to do a reverse prank again, just knowing that reverse pranks now exist. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the very first prank that they did on the first episode was a guy and his wife. And the guy was pranking his wife and they're both wedding officiants. And he's been he's been feeling that his wife has been getting more work than he has. Like she's been poaching his customers because she just started doing it like only a year or two ago. And now she's poaching his customers to do it. Yeah. So he sets her up for a prank. And the prank is that she unwillingly married a brother and sister oh. at the wedding. <laughs> and she doesn't realize it until like the bride and groom are giving their speech or saying their vows to one another. Yeah. And even then, she kind of isn't like processing like these are brother and sister. Right, but if right. you listen to their vows, it's like, how are you not picking up on what? Right. Because it's just a job. Because yeah. it's just a job. Right. And it's not until somebody like stands up at the wedding and says, like, I can't believe like you're allowing this. You do realize they're brother and sister. And it's like, oh, my God, like this is ridiculous. That is fantastic. That's, That's fantastic. I love people a, that are good at stuff like that. It's such a great concept for a show. And then the pranks are just even even more involved. And it's like, it's I'm great. not creative enough to do something like that. My uncle, oh, my gosh, my uncle was like the best pranker. Prankster, prankster. He was Prank Sinatra. Prank Sinatra. Didn't you ever see? Didn't you ever see New Girl? Yes, of course Winston, I seen New Girl, yeah, but I, Winston, I didn't remember Winston saying that. Winston called himself "I'm Prank Sinatra, baby." I don't remember that. You know, I like the idea that we're already recording this. We haven't done an intro or anything like that, and I kind of yeah. like that format. That's how it should be. Yeah, like we're just for all of you listening right now, you're literally just hearing into our conversation. Kristen and Ben talk about nothing. But yeah, so we should at least say that. Like, I'm (laughs) Ben, you're Kristen. Uh Um, Hi. Yeah. The only people that are listening to this are the only ones, like, they know us, they know that we're goofy. (laughs) So, I mean, so. You know, this is the this is the unof- this is the official premiere of the Swapcast episodes on Wilhelm. Like we've already, we did the unofficial one, which was kind of our test run, and there's already been a lot of listeners to it. So hopefully, a lot of people have are coming back to. We'll see about the second to- episode. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> but if you're listening to this for the first time, like this is the first you're hearing it. Uh, this is a new series of episodes we're doing for Wilhelm, in which Kristen and I give each other movie homework every week of a movie we need to watch that we've never seen before, or has just been a very, very long time since we've seen. And then we come back and we report on it. Stipulation has just been added, by the way. (laughs) I had it in my head and then yes, but we just officially did that. Um, Yeah. And then we come back, we report on it and then all the little like rabbit hole conversations we go down as we're talking about it are all part of the, uh, part of the podcast but this idea stemmed from Kristen and i because we do the revisited podcast every week in which we're we're in the sixth season of lost right now and we're getting ready to announce within within the next two weeks actually the next series that we're going to be doing but before we record revisited we always have these lengthy catch-up conversations every week and we were like well let's let's record these and put a little spin on it so now there's the homework assignment yeah (laughs) So now we immediately started with with the prank panel, which ABC, go check it out. Um, but yeah, so every week we give each other a movie assignment and we report on it. And I think it might be fun every once in a while to do like a theme as well. 
like it has to be like an 80s movie we've never seen before. Ugh, then that's you know. all of them, Ben. All right, then we won't do it. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I hate 80s movies. I don't hate oh. them. I just don't watch them. I don't know why. We'll figure it out as we go. No, I like the idea of a theme. But right yeah. now, I'm also enjoying the fact that I'm just going to throw something at you this week that you're going to be like, oh, this I don't, sounds it's, stupid. <laughs> it's going to be a while before we do a theme because I like yeah. the idea of just throwing these yeah. random movies out there because there's so many movies. Like yeah. I, as as many movies as I've seen, there are a lot I still haven't. Right. Um, but it's going to be interesting because you have a list for me and of movies I haven't seen that you can go to as reference. Yeah, but I, I have to I have already seen them. Oh, that's true, because you have to be able to recommend them. Right. So, yeah. I We're can't still, just again, recommend, you know, Debbie Does should, Dallas, even though why, I've never seen it. Why not? I don't know. Oh, okay. Because we're not going to talk about porn, Ben. I, is, oh, I guess it is porn. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... Last week, the unofficial one, the, the episode that's already up, uh, we gave ourselves our homework for that episode was I gave you Top Gun Maverick and you gave me Dune, the mm -hmm. version from 2020, 2021, I think. The the, yeah, the Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet, uh, the Willy Wonka version. Um, <laughs> the better version. The, it was really good. It was so, really good. If you haven't heard our, our thoughts on that, you know, go back and listen to that unofficial one, but this being the official one. So at the end of that episode, we gave each other our homework for this official episode of mm -hmm. Swapcast. Uh, what movie did you give me? In the Heights. Dun, 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 dun. And I gave you Real Steel. Hell with, yeah, you did. With Hugh Jackman and Evangeline Lilly. Um, should I go first this time since you went first yeah, yeah, last yeah. time? Tell me. I watch. Okay. So I watched In the Heights last night. Um, okay. I waited till it took me a little bit of time to watch it. And then I finally watched it last night. I will tell you this on a scale of one to 10 for how much I enjoyed that movie. Crank that shit to 11. It was so good, right? Lin-Manuel Miranda's signature and style is all over that movie. Yep. And. But what I, I can tell you what I loved the most about that movie was the culture. Yes. Like everything about like the, the culture of like the, the Hispanics and the African-Americans like in Washington Heights in New York City. Puerto Ricans. And Puerto, well, Puerto Ricans, yeah. Right. Um, all, everything about their culture, about living in Washington Heights in New York City, like I just loved it so much. Anthony Ramos... I know Lin-Manuel Miranda portrayed that role on the Broadway version of it or the off-Broadway version of it. Yes. Um, Anthony Ramos was fucking fantastic yes. in that. And I think- perfect, what, perfectly cast. And I think what helped me enjoy that even more is I just recently listened to an episode of Mark Summers' podcast. Uh -huh. um, and his very first guest with Anthony, was Anthony Ramos. Yeah. And they talked a lot about like his getting involved in like Broadway and working with Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and getting cast and in the Heights and everything. And it was just hearing that backstory and then watching the movie, I think absolutely helped to yeah. add to the enjoyment of it. I mean, but again, to focus on the music, the choreography is just 
out of this world. There's so, so many good. cool things like with Benny and Nina walking up the wall yeah. of the apartment at the end, yes. of, like towards the end of the movie. Uh, and Benny, which I know is a role that was Chris Jackson. Yes. On the Broadway version. And seeing Chris Jackson in the movie. Yes. As Mr. Softy was just. Um, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda also has a small cameo in the movie as well. Oh, I don't think it's a cameo. He's a role. Well, He's the shaved yeah. ice guy. Yeah. Um, I, but I think that's also that is a role in the show. So I don't think yes. it's a cameo. I think that's his. Well, that's like, well, that's him just appearing in the movie just because he gets to because it's his. It's, it's his, his baby. baby. It's it's, yeah. it's what made him, it's what put him on the map. Yeah. For a but, reason. But I mean, going into the music, like I found myself like having never, I approached it the same way I did Hamilton where I, I never heard any of the music before. I didn't even read the what the plot mm-hmm. of the movie was or what of the show was. So I was going into it completely fresh. And even the music, like I found myself dancing in my chair. Right. It's as so I was listening to the music. And because of the the background of it, like Lin-Manuel Miranda putting in like his Puerto Rican heritage and everything into it, there's a number of songs that are in Spanish Yeah, that I didn't know what they were singing, but I did not care. It, it was totally fine. I didn't care at all that I couldn't right. understand. Like it was just the music and the dancing and everything behind it was just so fucking good. The scene, the um, the whole number at the water park, at the pool, at the water park. Yeah, it, it's my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, the uh, I forget. Um, oh, Sunny, the the little his um, Asnavi's cousin is fantastic in that number when he does the whole rap scene in the pool and. The explanation for Usnavi. Usnavi is fantastic. His like, name is the best. That's a weird name. Well, my dad thought that it was a name because you name your boats. Yeah. And the boat said U.S. Navy. U.S. Navy. <laughs> and so he, <laughs> he, he ended up getting the name Usnavi because that's what he thought it said. But that kind of creativity, boat. too, is just like, that's why Lin-Manuel Miranda got the MacArthur Genius Grant. That's why Hamilton is so good, mm-hmm. you know, is because he just, he takes, he takes everything that he wants, like everything that he dreams America is and should be and everything that New York is to him and to Puerto Ricans. And he just funnels it all into this creative tunnel of magic. Yeah. It's and so I, awesome. And I can tell you, so for, so I don't want to say first off, because I've already said a bunch of stuff. Um, the actress that plays Vanessa, I fell in love with her mm-hmm. instantly. That she, her voice is stunning. She is stunning. Like yes. she is a beautiful actress. Like, and I've only like I actually did a, a dive to see where I've no, I've seen her from because I knew she looked slightly familiar, mm-hmm. but I didn't know from where. And I know she. I I think the only movie she's been in before that I recognized her was she was in the last two Scream movies. Oh, I've never. I've seen um, the first one. Oh, add that to the list of movies. Don't you dare. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. Um, But she is a stunning actress. Like, I fell in love with her. And as I'm watching this whole story play out of Osnavi telling, like, talking to the kids about everything, um, at one point throughout about halfway through, one of the kids calls him Papa. And I'm like, oh, 
please let Vanessa be the woman that he ends up with. Because uh, I love the t- like I'm already shipping them like from the yeah. beginning because of right. like their whole backstory. And as it plays out further and further, it gets to the point where he's ready to leave for Puerto Rico. The The flat is packed up and there's that moment with the two of them where they're singing about the champagne and she finally kisses him. And I was like, well, you can't fucking leave now. Like, I get right. it's your heritage to go back to Puerto Rico, but like, you can't leave. And then there's the scene where she pulls him into the shop after it's closed and shows him like the fashion that she designed because of the, the colors. And when I saw the mural in the background and how it looked like the beach, it clicked to me. This whole story, I that's what I figured it's it out. It's their story. It's their story being told in the shop. Yes. And the beach in the background is the mural. And I'm not going to lie. I you cried. cried. Yeah. I cried. <laughs> There's a lot of points to cry. I mean, so I saw the movie after I had already listened to the music a few times. Um, and then a friend of mine, we used to be neighbors uh, at one of our old neighborhoods that we used to live in. She, this is her favorite, favorite, favorite show of all mm-hmm. time. So she sat me down and had me watch uh, the Broadway, the um, original documentary that they made about In the Heights. And so, um, and that's really great. I didn't, I didn't know that existed. Lin-Manuel Miranda, like right, I think it was like right before they officially opened, they were featured in Time Magazine, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was like such a moment for him that he went door to door behind the scenes. He's like, did you guys see this? Do you guys see this? Hey, did you see this? Look, look, we're in Time Magazine. Anybody else see this? (laughs) Um, You know, so he recognized that it really put him um, in the spotlight for the first time, you know, since he really started, started doing it. But watching it, on stage, you know, on screen, on stage, it was so beautiful. And I couldn't wait to see the movie adaptation of it. Mm. And I thought that they did such a good job in that adaptation. Um, You know, the biggest surprise for me was how much I loved Stephanie Beatriz. Oh, my God. Because she's just so not Rosa Diaz. Yeah. She's more herself in mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Yeah, she gets to be herself. She gets yeah. to be her bubbly, positive, you know, Puerto Rican self. I don't know. Yeah. It was um, great. No, and you're right. There are a number of moments in the movie that can get you absolutely emotional. And I know another one that I don't think I absolutely cried, but I know I got choked up and I got emotional is when Abueda passes during the mm-hmm. blackout. And because like I saw her like when he puts her to bed, and you see her looking into the room like with a smile and she's watching everybody. I'm like, she, oh, like she's not going to make it through the night. Like I, I saw that coming. And then there's the whole musical number about like her coming from Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. it's in the tunnels of the subway. And then finally, yeah. like it's all neon until it's the white light at the end. And I'm like, yep. I'm like, she's she's passing on. And in I also loved the fact that she is the only cast member from the original run on Broadway or on stage to reprise the role that she played in the state show. She was the only one that was really able to do it. The rest of them are significantly older. Well, yeah. Well, because even, um, yeah, because Chris Jackson played Benny, which we mentioned before, and then Manuel Miranda played uh, Osnavi. So it's... U.S. Navy. U.S. Navy. Um, (laughs) um, 
I first heard the songs before I saw it. So I would be in the car and the whole blackout um, sequence, right? I'm in the car and I'm crying <laughs> as I'm driving. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she's going to die. <laughs> it was like, it was, <laughs> the only other, other time that that's really happened was when, um, was when I watched Hamilton and it was, um, it's quiet uptown played mm-hmm. when you see him in the streets, walking by himself, talking, talking to himself, um, have pity. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) you just, you hate him so much in those moments. Cause you're like, I'm a wreck. I am a total mess and I have to go through my life today. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, I noticed it because as being a big Hamilton fan as I am now, and then hearing this for the first time, there's a lot of stylistic, stylistic similarities in, in the music. There's different types of music thrown in, um, uh, so you can hear a lot of where the influence from In the Heights would come into mm-hmm. creating and writing Hamilton. He definitely ha- has an approach that is that mm-hmm. is his approach, right? And for anybody that really likes musicals, I mean, you can you can hear you can tell a Stephen Sondheim song when you yes. hear it. You can you can tell a George Gershwin song when you hear it. And I think that that is the same for Lin Manuel Miranda. You know, like. Even when you watch Moana, you know that that's his music. Yeah, it's very obviously his music. When he when he does that, his numbers um, in uh, Mary Poppins Returns, which I have com- not seen. <laughs> Add that to your list. Add that to the list because that's <laughs> awesome. Emily Blunt is perfect. It's 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 on the list of movies I want to see, and I just haven't yet. Well, so. it's not coming this week, but okay. get ready for it. Friend. All right. but actually my my son just quoted mary poppins returns yesterday when we were pulling weeds Uh, because we were just so sick of it after after a while and he looks at me and he goes the quicker you into it the quicker you're out of it (laughs) that's that's a a line that um, the line yeah yeah that she says and i look up and i'm like did you just quote mary poppins to me (laughs) and he's like yeah 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 he goes is it true yeah, that's true. He's not lying. But yeah, I'm that movie. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. And that's not a movie you would have put high on your list, huh? No, actually, believe it or not, it's one that like I, I've been sleeping on for a while because I'm such a fan of Hamilton. It's mm-hmm. been on my list and it's one I've wanted to see because I have friends who are big musical people and have raved about that too. Like they're the same people just like you who said, Oh, well, if you love Hamilton, you're going to love in the Heights. You should absolutely check out in the Heights. And for some reason I just kept sleeping on it because so much stuff just kept coming out. When it was coming out though, when it was coming out, you know, it was around COVID. It was during COVID, but not during the height of COVID. It was during like, you know, we've been in it for a while. We're all sick of it and we don't, because it it didn't get a theater release. Right, it went but, right to HBO Max. Which I think is smart, honestly. I think that that was smart. Um, although they should, I think, that they should push to have it have a theater release now. Because it's so joyful and it's so wonderful that I think that a theater release would, would do really well. You mm-hmm. know, that aside, um, you know, during COVID, there was also the racial divisiveness. There was the upcoming election or the past election. There was the, you know, the January 6th. So we were like in the thick of it in America. Right. And, um, because this movie had a dreamers 
subplot to it, a lot of people were shitting on it before it even came out because they thought it was like this socially politically charged movie. No, this was this like they added that in for the movie. Yes, but that but the the story is the same. The music is the same. It's all the same. It's they just they modernized it a little bit, like a little bit. They still had they still talked about, you know, the um just how difficult it was to live in Washington Heights. And one of my old neighbors when the movie first came out, one of my old neighbors, he he was from um he was from New York, New York City. And I was like, Oh, where are you from? Like specifically. And he said, Washington Heights. And I was like, Really? <laughs> I was like, like in the heights? And he goes, Yeah. He goes, and that's how it is there. Like he yeah. He totally like backed it up for me and he's um and we started and this guy and I were not friends. We were not friendly neighbors. It was the one subject we were able to talk about in the four years I lived across the street from him. So in that respect, it was really nice to have something to talk to with this with this dude that just like low level hated me. <laughs> um he hated me because I was I was realistic about COVID and he was inviting his entire New York family uh, in the first week of the outbreak. Mm, uh, yep. Yeah, okay. I, I think I remember you telling me about this guy. That was, before. yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say before we, we move on to, to your, your assignment for the week, uh, my final notes for this week, I mentioned Anthony Ramos, obviously um, Corey Hawkins, who I, I knew I knew from somewhere. He was and Heath. I thought he was Heath in the walking yeah. dead. I was like, who he, this is why shit. he never showed up again. <laughs> um, Melissa Barrera, who I mentioned as Vanessa, is absolutely gorgeous. But two other names I want to make mention of, because we mentioned Stephanie Beatrice as well. Um, Jimmy Smits. <gasps> yes. Fantastic. He's, he's good in everything. Yeah. Um, and, if, and a face that I saw pop up, not a large role, but I was excited to see him because of another musical that he's in that I absolutely adore is Patrick Page, who played Pike, the guy that was buying all the property from oh oh oh, from, yeah, oh yeah, buying yeah. all the Rosario property. He is um uh Jacob Marley in Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and uh Will Ferrell. Oh fun. Yeah. Yeah, he plays Jacob Marley say, in that show. The minute you say Jacob Marley, I just immediately go to the Muppets Christmas Carol. Well, that, as Marley you should. And Marley. <laughs> as as you should. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. And then the only other thing I'll say before we move on to yours is did you watch There Is a Post Credit Scene? <gasps> no. You didn't see it? No. So I I'll I'll show it to you when we're done recording. Okay, um, good. It is, but I'll explain it to you. It is Lin-Manuel Miranda and Chris Jackson. It's another moment with the shaved ice man and Mr. Softy. Uh, Mr. Softy's truck is broken down uh -huh. and all his customers are going to him, to the shaved ice man. <laughs> and he's singing about it. He's singing about how he's he's taking all his customers. Chris because Jackson he, is singing. No, Lin-Manuel Miranda oh. is singing about how... Mr. Softy is broken down. All his customers are going to him because he owns this block, which is a line that he mentions earlier. Right, right, right. And it and it ends with him going over, putting his hand on Chris Jackson's shoulder and handing him a shaved ice. Oh, yeah. Because of course, I will. I will show it to you when we're done recording. But yes, there Chris is a post-credit scene. Is my favorite part of Hamilton. He's George. You, Washington. you know that. You know yeah, that. Yeah. 
We've yeah. talked about that. Yeah. He is, he is by far like, seriously, when the kids are, when the kids, when the kids are ever like, mom, let's listen to Hamilton. What song should we go? And I just look at them. I'm like, come on. And they're right like, here man, comes George a general. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, it doesn't matter if I'm driving. I will get in a car accident when he, George Washington, he's a we're outgunned. And I'm slamming the steering wheel. Like I look like a maniacal oh, weirdo to I'm tell- anybody that happens to look in the I'm car. I'm telling you, there's a number of songs that, that happened to me and Hamilton has a number of them. The center console in my car, yeah. if it had feelings, would hate me. <laughs> That's my steering wheel. Maybe my steering wheel and your center console can start a therapy group. <laughs> because I've got the left hand on the wheel and my right hand is fist pounding down on that center yeah. console. Oh, see, I don't, I, I slam my, I, I beat my steering wheel so hard. Like I'm convinced the airbags are going to pop out I've done, one day. I've too. <laughs> I have I have pounded on my center console so hard sometimes. That's where my dash cam is plugged into <laughs> in the cigarette lighter that's in there. Every once in a while, I have pounded on it so hard that I hear my dash cam beep because it lost power. Because I have hit it so hard that it jostled the plug out of the cigarette lighter. I'm telling you, Lynn Manuel Miranda makes it difficult to drive a car <laughs> <laughs> yes i i agree with that uh, but, but if you yes. ever need to like clean the house it's perfect music oh i'm oh i'm gonna the soundtrack is getting added to my spotify playlist like yeah i'm gonna show it to the kids soon we haven't shown it to the kids yet just because it took them a really long time to like like hamilton like i would listen to the music i listened to the music for like it felt like years before it but probably not but i like I knew the songs of Hamilton inside and out basically. And so when I finally saw it, when it came out during the pandemic, that's when the kids finally sat down with me going, Oh, fine. We'll watch the stupid American history show <laughs> that you want to watch. And seriously, like by, by intermission, everybody's like, okay, everybody go to the bathroom right now. Come back really quick. <laughs> I will tell you, I know we're, I know we're still talking about mine and we're going to move on to yours in a I second. I don't care. I, I, know. <laughs> I love this movie. Which by the way, something we have to start doing because we do it on revisited and we didn't do it here in case you've never seen the movie spoilers. Oh um, yeah. Sorry. Abuelita dies. And <laughs> <laughs> the other part of this movie that I absolutely loved is the fact that when Osnavi is ready to leave US Navy. And, he, and he finds the box from Abzueda and it has the lottery ticket in it. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten about that lottery ticket because he says to the kids, like it was never revealed who turned it in. Like nobody ever turned it in. So it was forgotten. So when he has that, when he finds that lottery ticket and it has for Osnavi written on it, I was like, okay, that's fantastic. Like, I love that. But what he does with the ticket, Mm. I was so moving to me that he gives it to the lawyer so that he could get Sonny a green card and make him a legal citizen. I'm already starting to cry a little bit. So I I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I expected also, um, you expect Benny to be a bad guy. And I love that he isn't. Yeah. I don't really think there's a villain in this story. Well, there is. Who? The. It's like the, the big, the big they. 
right? Okay, because, okay. You know what I'm, I mean? Yeah. The villain is 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 the system that they're pushing against to try and actually live their life and get their chance yes. and make it out, right? So that that to me is is wonderful. It's like we're not going to put it all on one person. We're going to put it on this is a culture and a, a group of people that are looking to succeed in America. It's society. Yes. Yes. Is the villain of the story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, the whole scene where the whole scene where they're at dinner and Benny comes in and just immediately goes after Kevin mm. about the meeting that he had with Pike and he knows what it is. You as an audience member know what it is. Mm -hmm. You know he's getting ready to sell the car service so that Nina can can go to school. And I get mm -hmm. both sides of that argument. He wants for his daughter what he could never have, but she right. doesn't want it because of what she's fighting against. Right. And you don't really know what she's fighting against until that dinner when she tells the story of how she was searched. Right. And Again, even, stop it. Stop it. I'm crying. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> and and even in that <laughs> moment where she says, like, I apologized for something I didn't even do. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, like, okay, like I. And that's and that and that also can be spread out to any woman. Right. I mean, like any I woman or any race except the white race um, <sighs> word like like any woman or any. Minority as we say as race. two white people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me, there's 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 white guilt involved in all of this. Um, right. but there, you know, any woman or minority mm -hmm. has been subject to this at this point. Do you know how many times I've apologized for something that I didn't do? Just yeah. just so that I could keep my job or keep a keep a relationship or I don't know, go on with my day. You know? So I I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. Um, great movie. Great, great, great movie. Absolutely movie. Fantastic pick for me to make my homework Yay! this week. Um, but speaking of movies to show your kids, I gave you one this week, which was yes. Real Steel with Hugh Jackman and Evangeline Lilly. Yes. Uh, very curious. What did you think? Okay. So before, before we really talk about this movie, my kids who now know about our deal, right? Okay. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> They now want me to tell you things <laughs> when it's time. Okay. All right. So I think that that's fun. But that's my, fun. But yeah. my husband also, my husband, for anybody that is listening from Wilhelm and you don't know anything about me, my husband's name is Dave. I talk about him a lot because we consume media together mm -hmm. as husband and wife. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, but as soon as it was over, he, he looks at me and goes, you tell Ben, that's the best movie I've ever seen where I hate the main character the entire time. <laughs> Which the main was, character is Hugh Jackman, by the right, way. Right. And you and so you go into this movie. First of all, love the movie. All four of us love the movie. But for the entire movie until he's on that doorstep, like begging mm -hmm. for forgiveness to Max. We hated him. Yeah. Hated him. Like every single time he got beat up, I'm like, good. Someone beat the shit out of this guy. Like, how is it that all these people still love him? And the kids are just like, oh my gosh. Cause he would never listen to Max. And you know, my kids, they're, they're the same age as Max, like the exact same age as Max. And so they're like, listen to their kids. He's not <laughs> stupid. He knows what he's doing. And my son is like, Max plays video games. I'd listen to the guy that plays video games, you know, give him the controller. <laughs> um, 
it was fun. It was really, really fun. It's hard for me to watch movies about deadbeat dads because I, because we've talked about this, right? Like yeah, we, we both have we deadbeat both, dads. We both have deadbeat dads. Yeah. Deadbeat dads. And, um, and so watching this character, what was his name? Charlie? Charlie. Charlie, Charlie. Canton. Yeah. That's right. Um, watching Charlie not give two shits about this kid, not know his age, only using him for money. He's, um, he's basically a piece of property. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And he's the only reason why he saved his life in, in the, the scrapyard at the beginning of the movie is clearly because that was his meal ticket. That was his $50,000 that went down into the ravine I don't, because I thought, okay, so this is why, this okay. is why I thought that that was a moment in the movie when he's like, I got you, I got you. You're okay. You're safe. And he's hugging him. The very next scene, he's back to being trash to, to Max. And I and I agree with you on that part. Um, I don't think he saved him just because he was a mail ticket. I think this was a spark in it, it was it was meant to show that chart that there actually is a heart in Charlie. Like he's not going to let a child die, whether regardless if it's his meal ticket or not. And he knows that this kid that Max is his son. I just think he, the reason why he goes back to being that deadbeat, like if you want this robot, you got to bring him yourself. Like you, mm -hmm. you got to do it. I think is because he's just so used to being that character that he, he just instantly diverts back to it until maybe. He's kind of I mean, I can see what you're saying, but I mean, they, the 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 cool part about this movie is that they really do a good job showing that the reason why he signed away his rights for Max in the first place when he was born is it's like this deep embedded character flaw in in Charlie, where he just if something is hard, he trashes it. He puts mm -hmm. it to the side like he spent 40 whatever thousand on noisy boy and then trashed him, treated yeah. it like shit. Like he's it, and you can tell like he's never really had to work for anything because he's always just kind of like gotten bailed out by the people that have bailed him out over time. Mm -hmm. And and it's just he's he's like this borderline con man. I don't know, like. Just watching him destroy Noisy Boy and then be like, yeah, I sold his head for 400 bucks. Who cares? I don't care. Right? Um, the, the way that he discards and dismisses literally everything and everybody in his life was so annoying. <laughs> it was, but you couldn't help but also root for the guy. Yeah. Like you just wanted him to get a win. Maybe because... Like for me, I just wanted to see like I wanted to see him like overcome something and like really work for something. And I think that that's, you know, w when he got Max and then he lost Max. I mean, old Charlie, beginning of the movie, Charlie would have just kind of let him go or beginning of the movie. Charlie would have been like, you know, can, can I just have this kid for this one battle so that I can get my money or something and then you can have him forever with the Zeus and um Adam, Adam final yeah. final battle. Um, but it wasn't. It was so much more than that. And the show had so much heart. Um, the, the movie had so much heart that I was standing up during the last <laughs> battle between Zeus and Adam. Like, And then my son's like, 
what are you doing? I go, I, I'm too nervous. I have to stand up. It's hot. And so he goes, yeah, me too. So both of us are now standing up and we're both kind of like, okay, okay, no, now you got to do it. Now you got to do it. So it was really fun to watch with the kids. It was really fun um, seeing that father son relationship kind of blossom, especially at the end. I really wanted one extra scene after the final battle. I was so bummed. There wasn't one extra scene to just show that maybe he got to have Max like half the time, or maybe they worked something out so that, you know, their relationship could continue because the deal was, is that that was it, you know? Well, I mean, yeah, but I think also the fact that Deborah and Marvin were in the crowd for the fight, they were rooting them on. Really into it, too. I I think it's kind of subjective, and you're kind of meant to believe that, okay, Max and Charlie are going to be in each other's lives, like, going forward. I think totally because Deborah was was one of the people that wanted to keep them apart, like, because of that. But by the end, she sees the two of them together. I I think it's – I think you're meant – you're meant to – be made to believe by the end that they are going to be in each other's lives. So one of the greatest things, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the greatest things about the movie is that in the beginning, you think that Deborah is just this kind of shallow woman who, um, who just like she hates Charlie. She wants to keep Max. And it seems to be like this power struggle that she's after, you know, the husband's like, I just want to keep my wife happy. Here's some money to make this all go away, you know, stuff like that. Um, But when you get to the doorstep scene, which I think is kind of the turning point in the whole movie is when uh, Charlie's on the door, on the doorstep pleading to Max and Deborah about, not this last battle. He got the battle for Max. It wasn't something he wanted yeah. to do. He even said, we're going to lose, but I want to do this with you because mm-hmm. you want to do this. You know, I saw humanity in Deborah. I saw somebody who didn't want, didn't want Max just to stick it to Charlie, but she wanted Max because she wanted to protect Max from Charlie because she, she looked at Charlie and she's like, I don't know that I trust you. I want you to be in his life, but you're kind of a dickhead, you know? Um, (laughs) Well, and, and he was right. But what that final battle, man, watching like the when they turn to shadow boxing and he's sitting there and he's fighting on the side of the rink and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, it looks he's in shadow mode. and And it was just so fun. It was really uplifting at the end, which was good because for like half the movie, I was like, I, hate this guy. I hate him <laughs> so hard. Like this poor kid just lost his, he lost his mom. He, th- this, this movie is in the span of one summer, right? Yeah. So he's grieving the loss of his mom, the only parent that he's ever had. And he's being trashed on by his so-called father. And he sees this robot as his only friend, really. You know, I just, I love the relationship between him, him and Adam I love the relationship between him and Charlie, Max and Charlie. I love the relationship. I love the fact that Bailey loved Max so much. Yeah. And I thought the addition of Evangeline Lily's character, Bailey, was so wonderful because it gave this human element to the story that it desperately needed. Um I can I can tell you <clears throat> one of my favorite parts because I gave you this movie because I absolutely adore this movie. This is one it was of my great family movie. 
I, I, I'm a huge Hugh Jackman fan. This right. is one of my all time favorite Hugh Jackman movies. Yeah. Um, the, and no matter how many times I've watched this movie, it always gets me in the end during that final fight because that what what I love about that final fight, one of my favorite parts of this movie is that when Adam is so beat up that he's not responding to the controls and they have to turn on that shadow that the shadow feature, it's Max that's encouraging Charlie to do it because Max has the faith in Charlie that Charlie doesn't even have in himself at that moment. That he's never had in himself. And and Max is the one that is giving Charlie faith in himself. Like he said, I believe giving, in you. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it all plays out and Charlie agrees to do it and he's like, you watch me like that whole scene where him and Adam are face to face with the hand motions is great. But every time I watch this movie, I get choked up when Charlie is seeing his dad. He's not watching Adam in the ring. He's watching Max Charlie. is watching his dad. Max is watching Charlie. Yeah. He's not watching Adam. He's watching Charlie. And he's he's mesmerized yeah. by him. Yeah. See, oh, I hate you. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting joked up. My stupid about eyes are failing but, me every but, day right but now. But not only that, like that scene, not only is a huge connection between Max and Charlie because Max is watching Charlie, but then you have the added element that Bailey is watching Max watching Charlie. And now she has faith in Charlie again because she was losing it. I loved it when Bailey and Charlie were both like, because Bailey was in the crowd, right? So she's not Mm -hmm. talking to anybody, but Bailey and Max were uh, Bailey and Charlie were both, Essentially telling Charlie, not yet, not yet, not yet. Because he's like, get out of there, get out of there. You're being pummeled. He's like, nope, 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 not yet, not yet. And then both of them at the same time were like, now. (laughs) It was awesome. It was Well, because her dad was the one that coached Charlie. Like, so she knows all about that. And she knows all about boxing. And I liked it also that it's not specifically said that the movie is a futuristic movie until there's a line that Evangeline that Bailey says about back in 2014 and the Mm -hmm. movie was made in 2011. So you know that some somewhere along the way we've stopped watching boxing and the new fad now is this robot boxing, these robot fights. And, um, and I love, love the fact that, Max is enthralled with Zeus and the, the, I can't remember his name, but the Zeus maker, the guy who made Zeus, uh, Mashido, Mashido. And then he, he gets that, that curtain kind of peeled back a little bit when they get their first league fight and, um, they're invited into the Zeus owner suite, the, the Zeus suite or whatever. And they're like, we want to buy your robot for this much money. And, um, and Max is like, no, absolutely not. He's not for sale. And Hugh Jackman's like, this is a lot of money. What are you talking about? Like, we can look, think think of what we could do with this money. And Max is the one that was like, no, we are not throwing away something else. Like, yeah, you th- like because he was thrown away. He was thrown away by his dad. He wasn't even given a chance by his dad. And now, and now, for a quick buck, Hugh Jack or. Charlie is ready to do the same thing to this robot. And you could tell that this is this is a lesson that Max is trying to teach Charlie. And it takes such a long time for that lesson to be learned by the by the adult in the room. 
And it was the 11 year old that had to teach the adult in the room. We don't throw away things that, that we believe are hard. Yeah. Well, you not know? only not only that, but I mean, you look at, you know, Takmashito and Farah Lamkova, who are the two that are in charge of Zeus. You have Charlie with with Noisy Boy and, and now with Adam. All throughout this movie, we see these characters, these robots are nothing more than property. They're nothing right. more than just animated property that they use to to gain income, you know, to mm -hmm. for fighting. It's not until Max comes around that he sees it as Adam is more than a robot to yep. Max. He is a personality. He is yeah. a person. Like he's not a robot. And I think that's another reason why Max is like, no, like we're not selling Adam because to Max, Adam is a character. Like Adam it's a is member, a person. It's, it's a member of his family now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, he, and it's the first of, time they see that. Well, and because of that, the audience also views Max as a member of the family Adam as uh, yeah yeah I'm sorry Adam as uh, you know Dave kept saying he's not sentient Kristen and I'm like yes he is <laughs> he is sentient he is well they do drop they do drop hints every once in a while that maybe he yeah. kind of I mean, understands clearly isn't. What I get it but yeah. he has he even has like this little cute little face you know yeah. and it's been scarred and damaged and you know he had to be dug out of the rubble. And I mean, there is that question though. Did Adam save Max? You know, yeah. did he grab onto him? Because there, it was a lightning storm. Did he get a jolt of power during that, that lightning storm that caused him to grab onto to Max and save him? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so there are, yeah, you're right. There are little hits along the way. Like when they're taking the walk and he's like, you understand me, don't you? And he's nodding because Max is nodding. Yeah. Duh. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, you, you, you do get that. And Max desperately needed something to, to make him feel better mm -hmm. because nothing was making him feel. He just lost his mom, he yeah. lost his mom and his dad could not care less about him, but it wasn't. And, and, and when is it? Um, the final, the, when he gets the shit kicked out of him, um, towards the end of the movie, when Charlie gets the crap kicked out of him and, um, Max says, he's my father. That's the first time he ever said that. Mm -hmm. And that was awesome. I love that. He was just like, that's my father. And I'm like, Oh, you haven't said that yet. Yay. 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 Like you view him as a dad. That's the, gets the shit kicked out of him by Kevin Durand. Kimi. Another. Kimi, a, yeah, another lost actor. I loved it when um, when he gets his at the when end. He got his at the end, and Anthony Mackie's just like, "Come on, homie, yeah, <laughs> yeah, homeboy, like homeboy." Yeah. Well, my, uh, you know, that was very that was obviously had like a lot of racial undertones to it, uh, racist undertones to it, and um, and my kids look at me, they go, "Was that racist?" And I was like, yeah, I mean, he said like things that <clears throat> would be viewed as something that only African-American people would say to each other. So, yes, it was it was racist. And they're like, he's a jerk, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but I but I love the fact when it comes to Ricky by the end, too, with Kevin Durant's character, Ricky, that by the end, like he got his in the end betting against Charlie. Yeah. You, know? I, you won't last the first round. Yeah. And, and, and it was so fun counting down 
the first round, you know, five, four, three, two, one. And then you see what, what was it? Four rounds, five rounds. I mean, he just kept taking, and, and that's because he was a, a sparring robot, right? He, ob- yeah. like how he was why meant to take it- a beating. And why hadn't it been thought of up until then to use a sparring robot? As- because uh, they kind of, they kind of do discuss that a little bit in the movie is that they're meant to take damage. They're not meant to deal it. Mm. So that's a reason why they they never are really used in fights is because they're just meant to take a beating. That's it. They're built yeah, so, for durability. They're not meant for punishment. So, but, but what's great to me is that, and you saying that reminded me, was that Zeus was this all powerful robot that was operated by you know these big screens. It's like video games, but yeah. high stakes video games, right? Um, but what won out really in the end was the human element was it was Charlie boxing Zeus. And it was that I know when to duck. I know what you're going to do next because this, this is what I know. This is what I've done my whole life. I've been training for this moment my whole life. And I love the, the act of the human element is kind of what makes our stories so special. Charlie beat, Charlie beat the system. Yeah, he did. He literally, beat it literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and it kind of like there's actually a little bit of an element to that that kind of ties into Top Gun Maverick, which was your assignment from last week, in that John Hamm's character of Cyclone was the one that wanted to put or no, it wasn't John Hamm's character, it was the general on the Ed Harris. Ed Harris's character that wanted to that felt AI was gonna like was gonna mm-hmm. take over everything. We're not gonna need pilots anymore, we're right. not gonna need humans. And like, that's kind of what this society has become. It's not become. the plane, it's the pilot. Yeah. That's kind of what this society has become in Real mm-hmm. Steel. And it's proven in the end that it's the person behind it that is the real talent, right. not, the, not, the, not the programming of the robot. Well, and that was also Hugh Jackman's or Charlie's lesson too, because in the beginning, when he had Noisy Boy, he didn't know what combinations to use. And Max is trying to tell him, just talk to him, tell him what to do. Like you, you, it's you, you're talking into it. You're telling noisy boy what to do. And he's just like, no, 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 hang on. You know, you, you don't know anything kid, right? I'm going to use the computer. And at the end you see that the computer, you, you can't use the computer. You have to have that human element in something. So I really, really enjoyed just kind of, I enjoyed the whole movie. I thought it was super fun. Um, I loved the father-son element to it at the end. I love that it made me cry a few times. <laughs> you that, know, it was that, funny. I'm, I'm telling you, that fight at the end is just... I, I adore... I love that fight because of that whole Max and Charlie mm-hmm. relationship with each other. And then again, throwing Bailey into the mix in the end, too. And you're right. That whole scene where he's got his hands up and Zeus is just pounding on him and they're both just like, not yet, like not yet. And I'm like, and Max is straight up panicking. (laughs) And I think I was the same way as you. The first time I watched that movie too, that I was so into that fight that I would, I I might've been standing as well. And like anxious to see like what was going to happen. And then when it finally says now, and it just starts pounding on Zeus, I'm like, Oh yeah, like this is just, this is fantastic. When I stand up while I'm watching a movie because I'm so like charged up, that's when I know that it's a good movie because I that I'm so into it that like I can't I can't control my own body. Uh-huh. You know, I was like that for Maverick too. Like 
when they, when they were trying to escape out with the F-14s. And I'm just I'm standing up. And I'm like, hang man, hang man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so your kids enjoyed the movie as well then, I assume? Oh, very much so. They're, they're like, what's next? What's the next movie? <laughs> um. So don't don't just give me family movies though. Like don't. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But I think so. But the, but the next movie I have chosen for you. What is it? I I think the kids can watch. Yeah, if um, they can't, you, that's fine too. You might have to watch it first just to judge for yourself because it kind of rides that line. Um. But yeah. So I mean, we're we're getting ready to wrap this up, but we have to give ourselves our assignment for the next episode of yeah. the movie swap. Um. Do you want me to give you mine first? Yeah. And I have a backup in case you have seen this movie before, because I honestly don't know. Okay. Um, we Before we started recording, we talked a little bit about Simon Pegg. And oh, Simon yay. Pegg has worked with Edgar Wright a number of times. And I, I love Edgar Wright as a director, as a writer. I've director. seen Shaun of the Dead. It's not Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Because I know you've seen Shaun of the Dead. Um, it is an Edgar Wright movie, but Sha- Simon Pegg is not in it. Um. Oh. My assignment for you for the next one is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I have not seen that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell you anything about the movie. No, I'm not going to show you trailers. Nothing like this is your assignment. Is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay. That was a, that was a pretty big movie when it came out, wasn't it? Yes. And I slept on that one in theaters as well. Um, and then watched it when it came to DVD. Absolutely loved that movie. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of the pandemic, when theaters were just starting to open back up, they did a 10th anniversary re-release in theaters. Oh, cool. And I was like, I am not missing it. I missed it in theaters. Yeah. Um, so I went to the 10th anniversary re-release and loved actually being able to see it on the big screen. That's how I feel about Dune. I really want them to... T- to put out Dune one more time, just a short release before Dune 2 comes out for all of us that didn't see it in the theaters. They might. Because of the pandemic, you know? Yeah. They might do um, But, oh, cool. Okay, this should be fun. It's a fun yeah. movie too, right? Oh, God, yeah. It's a yeah. ton of... I, and there cool. is, like, not... I'm not giving away any plot or anything. The cast is stacked. It's Michael Sarah's in it, isn't he? Michael Sarah, Aubrey Plaza, and... Um, you had uh, me at Aubrey Plaza. Anna Kendrick, Chris, um, uh, Chris Evans, Brandon One Routh. Of the Chris, Chris Evans is in it? Chris Evans is in it, yep. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so Brandon crazy. Routh, uh, Brie Larson, it, the, 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 the cast That's is a stopped. lot of Marvel people. Yes, there are. <laughs> there are a I lot like it when of, Marvel people pop up and we're like, Marvel. There are a lot of future superheroes in this movie. So mine is, my movie is kind of, it's very weird that I'm giving you this movie because I have such an emotional attachment to this movie. Okay. I don't know why it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. I honestly don't know why. It's not a big movie. Hasn't ever been a big movie. You probably will watch it and be like, and? <laughs> That's all right. I mean, you know, you but never it, know. But I like people that see this movie, right? Because I love it. Stars Michael Keaton and Helena Bonham Carter. It's called Live from Baghdad. Oh, I have not seen that. Movie. I know you haven't, but I added, I asked you for it because I couldn't find it. Um, it's an HBO movie. It's from the 90s. I love it. I don't know why. 
I watch it when I'm sick. I watch it when I don't feel good. <laughs> I I used to just watch it like in the background. I know the movie inside and out. I can close my eyes and play the movie for some reason. I love it. So I hope that you enjoy it. We'll see if you enjoy it. It's a very abstract, random movie. You kind of had me at Keaton. So yeah. Oh, I mean, it's and to me it's one of his best roles. I I love Michael Keaton. Uh so I Yeah, me too. And I, I love I, Helena Bonham Carter. She's one of my faves. Yeah. And she she plays a role that is just very not Helena Bonham Carter, but also very Helena Bonham Carter. And it's going to be weird to see Helena Bonham Carter in something that's not Tim Burton. And you know what? Or Harry Potter. But you know what? I I hope that when you're done watching it, you want her to do more roles like this. Okay. I don't know. It's really, I think it's great. We'll see what you think. You, who knows? Honestly, who knows? But it's, it's probably my favorite movie of all time. Okay. And I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes there are just those movies that for some reason, just stay with you about something. They might not be the greatest movies in the world, but there's just something about them. Yep that you you love yeah. my movie for you next week is one i can probably almost guarantee you've never seen probably but it is a comedy that i and it's not a great comedy at all right like, no i get it like there's Rotten some tomatoes wise like, it's like yeah yeah like like critical rating wise it was not rated very well at all but for some reason i just love this movie so we showed the kids last night for the first time for them, Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, girl, love that movie. Oh, it's, well, <laughs> my kids love heist movies. So if anybody who's listening, and any you, whatever, if you can find a PG-13 heist movie, they are all about heist <laughs> movies. We have watched every heist movie I can think of, but I know that I'm not thinking of all of them. Anyways, so we're... We're gearing up to watch it last night, and the critic score for Rotten Tomatoes is twenty five percent with a what? splat on it, and the and the but the the fan the popcorn rating is seventy seven percent. So we were trying to tell the kids, listen, is it a highly critical critically acclaimed movie? No. Is it awesome to watch? One hundred percent. Oh yeah. So and they loved it, you know, because it's the. the- after seeing that movie for the first time, the 1967 Chevy Camaro RSSS, or not Chevy Camaro, um, no, the Shelby, Shelby Mustang. GT500. Yeah, the Shelby GT500 Eleanor. Mustang became my favorite car of all time. Mm-hmm. So much so, because it's an incredibly rare car, that my father and I, my, my deadbeat father now, um, <laughs> when I was still living with him, we rebuilt a 1967 Chevy Camaro RSSS. That's why I had oh, that car in my in my, uh, my mind. And we sold it. And I was so disappointed when we ended up selling it. But we got a great deal. And the deal for selling it was that we were going to split the profits. And we weren't going to keep the profits. The profits had to go towards buying another project car for the two of us to work on together. So and it never happened, one car, right? We were getting two cars. My father found his in a 69 Chevelle. Mm-hmm. I was so dead set on building Eleanor. So much so that I actually found a shell. Like the body, it didn't have the chassis because the chassis was rusted. The chassis needed to be replaced. No engine or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was literally just the shell 
of it, but it was in great shape. Couple rust spots could have very easily been restored, but it would have eaten up my entire budget. So everything else would have had to come out of pocket, like chassis, engine, all of that. And my dad was like, no, like I get it's a dream car can't like it's it's entirely out of budget but but dad i watched gone in 60 seconds and and it can it can hop it can hop lot traffic <laughs> well it i mean drive I backwards in it i don't know if you know this too but the 67 that's in the movie was nicholas cage's oh or no no i'm sorry no i'm i'm confusing that with another car um it's it's an, another movie that is on my list to recommend to you so i won't mention it um but um, he, the, I'm sorry, the personal, the 67 that was used in the movie, there were a number of them, but the one that you see Nicolas Cage driving most of the time was a real one. Cause all the other ones were rebuilds for stunts. Mm. Um, the guy that loaned, loaned that car to the production was on set every day to make sure that car was handled properly. Oh, of course. Yes. Of course, that movie, if you're a car person, man, I'm not, I'm not a car person, but I love Nicolas Cage. Angelina Jolie was like, she was it during that time. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what a great cast it has. Um, Chi McBride is in it, who I love. I love yeah. it. And he's Vinny, great on Hawaii. Vinny Jones, Scott Kahn, like Sphinx, Sway. Yeah, Yeah. I mean. Seriously, the movie the movie holds up even all these years later. It's so fun. And it's really fun to revisit these movies through the eyes of my kids too, which yeah, is which great. is a lot of fun. But yeah, we watched that last night. Um and I'm just looking for more heist movies. I just I, I need more heist look, movies maybe, to show my maybe, children. Maybe there might be a couple I can add to the list. They love Ocean's Eleven. They love Italian job. Um Did you, know, you show them Ocean's thirteen yet? No, because we hate Ocean's 12, and I'm trying to find a way to show them 13 without having to watch 12. I think you can. You think so? The only connection, there's only one character from 12 that comes into 13. And you can easily just explain them like, oh, yeah, he was the bad guy in 12. That's it. That there's again? really no connection to, to from 12 to 13. Okay. It's more 12. It's more 11 to 13. So as long yeah. as they thirteen's awesome. They sh- as the, long as they've seen eleven, they should be fine. The uh, my favorite part of Ocean's Thirteen is the side movie that's happening at the uh, at the dice making factory <laughs> with with uh, with um, Scott Con and, and Casey Affleck. Con. Yeah, seriously, I if I wish that they had made like some kind of like mini mini series or limited series or or side movie or something about that whole thing cuz every time we went back to the dice factory I was like oh here we go here we yeah. go viva la revolucion Let's I, do can't, this. I I can't remember if um if the moment tie, if it's a moment that ties from 11 to 13 or if the moment is 13 to 13 stays within the same movie but I think it's 13 to 13 I think it's very early on in 13 where uh, Clooney and Brad Pitt's characters visit each other and Clooney is crying when he comes to the door and it's because he was watching Oprah. <laughs> I don't remember if that happens in 11 or if that happens in 13. It happens in 13. That's what I thought. But I yeah. love the tie-in at the end when they get to the end of the movie and they donated all of Terry Benedict's uh, in like his spoils yeah. to that child's orphanage and Terry <laughs> Benedict ends up on Oprah. <laughs> At the end, talking about it, like, I just love. 
love that side. Those movies are so incredibly well done. They're so fun. Well, They're 11 so and 13. Fun. Steven uh, Soderbergh did all three of them, right? Uh, I don't know if he did 12 or not. He did I, I want to say, I want to say yes. He did. Uh, I, Cause he was also like an it director at the time. Well, he's the one that does the, the magic Mike movies, which is one of the, one of the reasons why I keep hearing those movies are so good is because Steven Soderbergh was the director. I also don't like Channing Tatum at all. Really? I think he's funny. I have no interest in Channing Tatum as an actor, as a person to look at. at you like, and I'm just like, I don't see the big deal. All right. Fair enough. I, I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure I should, but. It's totally fine. You have yeah. the right to your opinion. Give me Colin Farrell. Cross Magic Mike off the list of movies to recommend. No, yeah, we already Magic. made that deal very early on. Is yeah, that we did. You cannot, I cannot recommend Magic Mike and you cannot recommend Twilight. Which I wouldn't because I don't, I won't even read the books, let alone watch the movies. Although Let's we just might, get that out of the way we, in the airways right hate, now. I'm not we might a Twilight hate watch person. it for an episode. That would be so fun. Yeah, we might hate watch it for an episode. But that would have to just be on YouTube because yeah. we could just watch it and just talk about talk over it the whole time. <laughs> we're, we're, we'll be riffing it the whole time. Perfect. It would so. be our own audio commentary. Yeah. Uh, but I think we've gone on long enough for, for this oh, official yeah. premiere. Um, so we have our assignments for next week. Scott mm -hmm. Pilgrim versus the world <laughs> and live from Baghdad. Um, two totally different, <laughs> two completely different movies. Uh, but I, I want to put it out there to the people listening as well, or watching if you're on YouTube, that um, we want to hear your opinions on these movies as well. If you've seen them, let us know what you thought about In the Heights. Let us know what you thought about Real Steel, uh, or even get ahead and let us know your thoughts on Life from Baghdad uh, or Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, easiest way to do that: Wilhelm Podcast. Hang on, hold on. If what? you've seen Life from Baghdad. Please let me know. I don't even know. <laughs> Every time I mention this movie, confusion on people's faces. Never even heard of it. So go ahead. Okay. Contact blah, blah. Go yeah. Uh, again, easiest way to do that. <laughs> Wilhelmpodcast.com. Uh, or you can email in directly feedback at Wilhelmpodcast.com. And let us know what you thought of, again, either the movies from this week or the movies we're going to be doing next week. Yep. Uh, and we'll, we'll read the feedback on the podcast. So uh, I think that's it. I think that wraps it up for the first official episode of Swapcast of Swapcast. Um, Wilhelm presents fun with Swap Swapcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love in the, if you're watching the video, Kristen has her hand up like she's presenting a sign. I feel like I have to add a graphic now <laughs> to, to the video of Swapcast. It has to be in Sheldon Cooper's cursive writing, though. <laughs> No, no, I would fun think with flags. No, I would think instead it would be um fun uh, the, uh, the hug moment from Parks and Rec, the episode of Parks and Rec where they do the totally awesome where Chris Pratt does his whole show. Oh, yeah. And it's the hug moment with Ron Swanson and he's like <laughs> remove the graphic and he pushes up and the graphic goes off the screen. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, you, you have now experienced our conversations about movies and all the little threads we go down and the randomness that occurs. But that was the, the most organized one that we've ever had. Yeah. Which I think is better for the listeners than it is. Okay. For us. <laughs> so. One day, one day we'll just hit record and then we'll just be like the after show. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, but be sure to check out everything on Wilhelm, including, well, interviews are on hold right now because of the, the actress strike. So all Actually, of the, inter- you could probably get them right now. No, because they can't talk about projects they've done. Really? They're, they're not allowed to talk about any past or present sag Oftra projects. So they can't promote anything right now. But so you could just have them on and say, let's talk about ice cream. That's not actually, I might be able to get some of them on to do some top five episodes. They're all not busy. And you could just be like, hey, let's just talk about something random. You choose the subject. Yeah, that's true as well. Just to keep it out there. Um, but uh, but yeah, and also while we're mentioning it, because this all stemmed from our revisited podcast, go over to revisitedpod.com and subscribe to that podcast for us. Um, we are, again, in the sixth season of Lost. We're about halfway through, so we've only got a couple episodes left. And then we're going into the next series we're going to be revisiting, which we will be announcing in two weeks on our 100th episode. So, which I'm very excited. I hope people are excited for it as, as much as we are. Eh, if they aren't, <laughs> we haven't cared before. We're not going to care again. That's not true. We actually care about you people listening to Revisited. I know, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. We care about the people that listen. We don't care about the people that don't. We'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, but we hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know via feedback whether or not you did. And of course, about the movies that we're watching. But we'll see you guys on another episode of Wilhelm for another Swapcast. We're not going down. We're not going down a rabbit hole. We're not going down a rabbit hole. We're just going to pull it a bunch of threads and see what kind of a sweater we can make. There you go. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.